0: See, and that's uh, that's part about the officials. I just have not been able to comprehend this. When you have an official that's right there on the spot, and that official says he either saw something or didn't see something, you know, he dropped the flag or he didn't drop or blow the whistle, and then the guy from thirty yards away comes running over and 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 overrules them. Um, how do you over? Like, well, even the uh, there was a the touchdown that was like in the band's end zone when the sealers uh, uh, it ended up being overruled, but there was a yep. touchdown the touchdown pass there with the catch and the, the if, yeah the touchdown you're right the catch yeah and the the official I didn't see an official anywhere on the field raise their hands that said it was a touchdown the one side judge just stared nobody did well, anything I, I mean that's my end
1: zone I prefer in this situation. That they call yeah, that a touchdown to because it goes to review, and then it was. But then you sit there; and it is in the hands of the case of what really is a catch and what is not. But you're almost better having them call that a touchdown and then change. But I didn't it see anybody the other way. Put their well, hands no, the, the, up. One, the ref. The yeah. guy he was, he, the guy who called it a touchdown was actually way out of bounds. He was actually closer to the cheerleaders.
0: The the ref had left the field, <laughs> he left and, the, and he's the one that called the touchdown. It. Yeah. So he, the yeah, the ref, the side he, judge, just stared at the pile. He, he, waited and didn't do the, he
1: waited for the guy to come back from hanging out with the cheerleaders to make. Well, maybe party. he was staring at the cheer- yeah. cheerleaders. Yeah, I, I that could happen. Hey, hey, Tony, when that play, when Tomlin challenged, and he won the challenge, and well, then, he was told that he couldn't challenge. Yeah, him. yeah it was a non-challengeable play. I thought play. that was
0: Harbaugh's was no, told. No, both of them both were of
1: non-challengeable.
0: Them. It was a non-challengeable play Tom, down it was by contact.
1: Tomlin threw the flag out to stop play Yeah, so that they could sit there and talk it. Because at the same time, Harbaugh is telling them to get down and get on the ball. Yes. Okay. That stopped play, that was gamesmanship. They had to figure out whether it was challengeable or not. And then when Harbaugh threw the flag out, that's when they say, well, if he can't challenge it, you can't, but we've decided this is what we're going to
0: do. And they didn't say it was non-challengeable until the referees had run no, off the field, gone into the booth, geez. and then came out and said... This isn't a yeah. challengeable call. Just <laughs> because somebody in New York had right, the time to tell
1: them. They don't know the rules. It's almost well, like they well, like, go back they need a lawyer again to say someone who just only knows rules. Because it's it's the way it's getting.
2: Yeah, to me the, the 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 officiating issues are grounded in a couple of things. Number one, the league every owners meeting during the off season, they get their competition committee together and they decide we're going to improve the game. And they're going to change the <laughs> rules again. So that's that's one problem because they're never the same, and these guys uh, don't know if they're coming or going. The other part of the problem, I think, is that the instant replay has become a cop out for them not to take charge and make calls on the field. They they're indecisive. They're so indecisive, and I blame it in part. Well, let's check the replay. Let's let's check what the replay shows us, and and I think. That combined with the so many the rules changing all the time weakens these guys, and there's going to be more rules changes. And when common sense ought to tell you, there should be somebody in the in the booth that sees everything that we see on TV, regardless of whether it's a challengeable player. Or not. If it makes sense, make the call, make the change. If it makes, even though Gibbons was down on contact according to the officials on the field, if it, if you could see on TV that he wasn't. And the side judges chasing him down the down the sideline, it would make more sense because the whole world saw it to let that play stand and give the Ravens the ball forty yards downfield.
0: Right, because uh, it's like they pretend that it just didn't happen when it happened, and it changes the course of a game, and it, it can change a place a player's career. Like actually, we didn't see uh, our, he didn't have any catches yesterday, uh, Daniel Brown. Brown, Brown yeah. I don't know. I didn't really notice him yesterday because other receivers actually kind of played played up to par.
2: Well, Jeremy Butler got more snaps. Chris Givens got more snaps. Chris Matthews got more snaps, and that, that left uh, Daniel Brown to have just maybe three more steps uh, snaps than uh, Daniel Boone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, of all
0: these guys, you got Aiken, Givens, Butler, uh, uh, Matthews. Do you which ones of those guys do you think have stepped up and have the have an opportunity to be part of the offense next year?
2: I think the guys that have the best chance are guys that also contribute on special teams because that's where you yeah. know the head ball coach is you know where he's where he cut his teeth you know the, at the NFL level. So I think that guys like Chris Matthews, who is a different kind of receiver, he's a red zone target. Showed that yesterday.
0: He, He's a great, guy that
2: can, go, great he can go up and get He can high point the ball And he made two really good special teams plays yesterday And that's a guy who hasn't been around that long You know, he went down and caught the ball At the nine yard line to pin the Steelers in The punt And then he uh, he tackled Antonio Brown right away After he caught one of the punts So uh, I think the guys that contribute on special teams I don't know that Givens really does I know that Kamar Aiken does Yeah, I mean I, you know, I, 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 oh, Go ahead the butler does a little bit, certainly more than Givens. So, you know, I, I think that unless their agents convince them that they have a better chance catching on elsewhere, the Baltimore Ravens is still a good place to be for a, a guy looking to get a break as a receiver. And, and they can, and the Ravens can point at Kamar Aiken as an example to say, "Look, this is a guy who was bouncing around from uh, different teams for three years." Now he's established himself, and I know I've, I'm, I'm going to be redundant by saying this, but this guy, when he plays, he reminds me of, of Anquan Bolden. He's very physical, he makes those tough catches, and he gets the, you know what, knocked out of him, and he still he, gets back up and back in the huddle.
1: Now, that brings up an interesting point, Tony. Um, it's kind of like the, a tale of two players here. Um, you know, we, we, we thought Marlon Brown was going to be the one that was going to really make his mark this season. And it turned out to be Aiken because I kind of consider him when they came coming into the organization around the same skill set level. What has created this such huge gap between, you know, what really happened to Brown and what, what, what caused Aiken to, um, to catch fire here?
2: I think it comes down to two things number one is toughness. And number two, I think Kamar Aiken is a more cerebral player than Marlon Brown.
1: I agree yeah I agree and and he, you know he 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 uh like you said he he plays like Ian Quan Bolden, he really does
2: hey, and when you think about the special teams aspect, i mean can you think of anything that Marlon Brown has ever done on special teams no
0: not off him
2: yeah well, tomorrow's out Tamar's out there doing it
0: hey with Eugene Monroe having uh shoulder surgery today, what do you think uh his status is uh next year coming back and being our left tackle.
2: That's going to be an interesting debate for the entire offseason. and you know, it'll probably be a debate right up until March when free agency starts, and and uh, Ko decides what he's going to do. But uh, I think that they've invested so much in Eugene Monroe, they're going to want to get something out of that investment and get him back out there on the field. The shoulder surgery, and John Harbaugh talked about this during a presser today. He, he said that it's a, a labrum issue, and and that. That those things heal fairly quickly. So they expect him to be uh, ready to go for the team's off-season conditioning program, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
0: What did he say? I thought in the press conference also, did he comment about Marlon Brown's injury? What, did, what is his injury?
2: It's a, a back injury that they um, thought they could work through, but apparently they can't. I think that John made it clear that he's been a fan of Marlon Brown's, but at the same time, he's pretty much put Marlon on notice that you're going to have to step up in 2016, or your job's going to be given to somebody else. And I think if if John's saying that, putting a guy on notice publicly, uh, I think that Marlon Brown's probably seen his last uh, <laughs> staff yeah, that as was, a Baltimore Ravens. That was like Matt Eadum. Yeah. You know when Ozzie did it to Matt Edom. Uh What what do you think about the? Uh...